This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of the trail of death. If it were possible for any man to know and to love jungle as much as Tarzan, that man was Captain Lawrence of the governmental police. And so it was natural that he disliked his new desk job in Tarak. The constant hubbub of the city jarred his nerves, the lusty odor of its rambling native section offended his nostrils, and the principal duty of his office tired his patience. It was now Captain Lawrence's responsibility to grant official permission to a constant stream of bloodthirsty hunters to go into the jungle to plunder and kill. And the two who sat opposite him now were among the worst it had been his misfortune to meet. The weak-looking, pasty-faced youth and the square-jawed, overbearing older man. See here, Lawrence, can't you cut a little of this red tape? I'm very sorry, Mr. Fellows, but the questionnaires have to be filled out before I can grant you permission to leave on your safari. Perhaps I could take care of the details, Uncle. I wouldn't trust you to mail a picture postcard. I just thought if you wanted to go back to the hotel... Get on with the questions, Lawrence. Your uh, full name and address? I've already told you that. George Anthony Fellows, 40 Curzon Street, Mayfair, London. (laughs) And... uh, your name, sir? Uh, my nephew's name is Malcolm Fellow. Same address. Kept him since he was 12. He hasn't the gumption enough to get out and get a job or a flat for himself. Really, Uncle? I don't think Captain Lawrence is interested. Uh, in... Continue with the questions, Lawrence. We can't spend the rest of the day here. Uh, your reason for wanting to go into the interior? Reason? You're going hunting, I suppose. Well, yes. Put down hunting. Your intended destination? Uh, see here, Lance, it seems to me I've answered enough questions. I'm a British citizen, and I feel I that... don't make the laws, Mr. Fellows. I merely enforce them. Regulations require that you answer all the questions on this form. Your intended destination. We're going to try to uh, locate the mutia escarpment. Uh, the, the mutia escarpment? Well, that's right. I can't approve your papers. And why not? Because I have absolutely no intention of giving you permission to commit suicide. To commit suicide? Why do you say that? Because not even the greatest of Africa's hunters ever attempted the escarpment. 
Livingston? That's right, Mr. Fellows. Not even the great Livingston was willing to risk his neck there. What's so very special about that section of the jungle? First of all, it lies just beyond the most savage tribe on the entire continent. One that hasn't even begun to become civilized. Secondly, it extends beyond a rampart of crags and precipices so steep they say not even the eagles will brave their height. And what about thirdly? There's always a thirdly. Yes, and this is no exception. Thirdly, the escarpment is inhabited by a roaming band of giant apes. And a herd of wild elephants, fiercer and larger than any elephants ever brought back to civilization. The elephants? They're there. Just like your cylinder. Shut shows. up. Oh. So you're out to kill a few elephants, eh, fellows? Uh, not exactly. He wants to find those who are already dead. I told you to keep quiet. Oh, I might have guessed. You're out to find the secret graveyard where elephants go to die. So what? If I'm willing to risk my life, that's my business. If I can find that secret burial ground, I'll have the greatest treasure in ivory ever discovered by man. Tons of it. Just lying at my feet, waiting to be picked up. By whom? I won't approve your trip, and without my approval, you won't be able to hire a guide or a safari member in Tarak, or anywhere else for that matter. You civil servants in Africa make me sick. Your nobility in protecting me from a land where no white man has yet trod is just a trifle old hat. I didn't say no white man had ever been to Mutia Scotland. Tarzan lived there most of his life, as a matter of fact. But you're not Tarzan, and you're not Livingston, and you're not my superior officer. So, unless you'd like to amend your application... Leave our business together is over, Mr. Fellows. Very well, Mr. Lawrence. Come on, Malcolm. I'm trying to keep some people from killing themselves when they take it as a pistol front. I beg your pardon. As far as I can as far as the House of Lords, I'm putting my signature on I knew you were getting a bit older, Captain Lawrence, but I didn't know you'd begun talking to yourself. Tarzan. How are you, Lawrence? A little better now. The sight of you is a real tonic. Well, then I'm glad I came to Tarak. Well, that's very flattering. You didn't travel all the way here to bolster my wavering morale. Well, perhaps I came to bolster my own. I'm giving up, Captain Lawrence. Hmm? Giving up what? Oh, trying to be the Robin Hood of the jungle or whatever I've been aiming at. In the last half dozen years, I haven't met a half a dozen people who proved worthwhile risking my life for. Well, you sound very bitter. I'm getting that way, and I, I don't want to be. So at least for a little while, I'm going back home. Away from people. To your seacoast cabin? No, no, really away. To a place where no white man will come. That's where I traveled to Tarak to bid you goodbye, Captain Lawrence. You're my closest friend, and I wanted you to know, just, just in case I'm never seen or heard of again, that I've decided to return to the land of the great apes and the giant elephants. I'm going back to the Mutia Escarpment. <laughs> In just a moment, we'll return to our story of Tarzan. <laughs> Confound it, Malcolm. I can't hear myself think. Close that window. All right, I'm... Why were you gaping out the window anyway? Looking at Captain Lawrence's office across the street. I wanted to see if he'd come out yet. That jungle savage you gawked at as we left Lawrence's office? He's not really a savage, sir. I read all about him once. He's really an English nobleman by the name of Lord Greystoke. Uh, nonsense. It's time you learned to read something other than penny comics, Malcolm. But I read that in the Daily Mail. It said that in Africa he was known as Tarzan. And Tarzan? The... Are you sure? Yes, sir. They had his picture in the paper, too. Uh, Tarzan. The one man who knows the mutious escarpment. Malcolm? Maybe we can turn the trick yet. How good an actor are you? Actor? If you can help me pull this off, you'll be rich, Malcolm. Half of what I get from the ivory will be yours. You can buy a business of your own. You can take your own flat. You can be your own man. Gosh, do you mean it, Uncle? But we've got to work fast. I've got a little tool kit in that top drawer over there. Find it for me. Uh, yes, Uncle. 
and, and bring that bottle of mercurochrome from the top of the dresser. I found the toolkit, sir. Mercurochrome? Yes, 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 and hurry. We've got to get this whole affair planned before Tarzan leaves that office. Here they are, sir. What are you doing with that pistol? I've got to rig up a blank cartridge and make a slight adjustment on the firing mechanism. Oh, but we'll get you fixed up first. Open your jacket. Yes, sir. Ah, there we the are. The mercurochrome. All over my clean shirt. <laughs> Close your jacket now. We don't want those blood stains to be seen until the right time. Now then, take some of that whiskey over there and sprinkle it liberally all over yourself. On my clothes? That's right. And put on your thinking cap. Maybe we won't have to resort to this little scheme, but if we do, you'll have to play your role to the teeth. I'm counting heavily on you, Malcolm. <laughs> There's nothing I can say or do to make you change your mind, Tarzan. Oh, Captain Lawrence, you've been most eloquent, and a great deal of what you've said has been true, but I've decided to go home. Home. The heart of the wildest terrain on the continent. Is that still your concept of a home? I spent a great many happy years there, and there's a chance that my treehouse may still be intact. Oh, you know, there's not a chance of that. The Motongas were glad to see their lifelong enemy leave the escutment, and you can bet your last bob they've tried to erase every memory of you. Uh, perhaps. And they'll do their best to keep you from coming back, Tarzan. You know that, don't you? I promise to be very, very careful. Now it's time for me to head for the jungle. And uh, time for you to get back to that pile of papers there. Blasted paperwork. <laughs> Goodbye, Captain Lawrence. Goodbye, Tarzan. But take my word for it, you'll be back. Now, if you don't come back, I may decide to brave the escarpment and come after you. Well, if anyone could reach the escarpment, it would be you, Lawrence. Goodbye. Pardon me, Lord Greystoke. Lord Greystoke? <laughs> Sorry, I, I forgot you preferred to be called Tarzan here. It's been a long time since anyone called me Lord Greystoke. I used to hear you referred to by that name at home. We have a great many friends in common. Oh? Who? Well, I can't put my tongue on their names at the moment, but I've heard dozens of people speak intimately of you. Won't you join me for a drink? Oh, I'm sorry, but I don't drink. I feel very fortunate in having bumped into you like this. Perhaps you'll sit with me while I sip a cordial. I don't like to be ungracious, but I am about to leave for the jungle. Oh, sure, you can spare five minutes for a fellow Britisher? I'd like to, but... <gasps> but how stupid of me. I haven't even observed the social amenities. Name's Fellows. George Anthony Fellows. Come along now, I won't take no for an answer. Yes, I can see that. <laughs> Now, Tarzan, you just admitted you're going there yourself. Well, I shouldn't have admitted it. Look, Mr. Fellows, the Mutia Escarpment is no place for white men. You're white? Mr. Fellows, I am not a guide, and even if I were, no amount of persuasion would make me take you there. All right, Tarzan, skip the whole thing. I wanted to go there, but if you advise against it, it's a closed matter. Let's drink on it. I told you, I don't drink. A Britisher who doesn't drink? Why don't you? Because I've seen what liquor can do to men. Look, look at that youth over there, the one who's been staring at us. See, he couldn't be out of his teens, and he's reeling with whiskey. You can even smell it from here. Say, that young chap has got a bit of a load on. Has he been staring at us? Yes, yeah, so and now he's walking over this way. I, I think it's time for me to say goodbye. Oh, come now, Tarzan. It's just the shank of the evening. And... Are you Tarzan? Yes, that's my name. <laughs> Tarzan, huh? The Lord of the Jungle? See here, young man. Tarzan's my friend, and I don't like to see him annoyed by drunks. Tarzan couldn't be annoyed by anything. He's fearless. He can handle lions and tigers and cannibals and, and everything. I couldn't even scare him with his gun. Put that gun away, you silly fool. Steady now, young fellow. Guns are dangerous. I'll you? say they're dangerous. You're twice my size. But I could unfasten the safety clasp and put my finger around the trigger and... He's insane. He doesn't take the gun away from him. Oh, no, you don't. I won't let you take the gun. You shot him. I, I, 
barely touched the gun. I didn't even have my finger near the trigger. He's bleeding terribly. We'd better get out of here. I've got to help him if I can. He's beyond help. He's dead. The police will be here in seconds, and you mustn't be found. But I can't run away. You don't know what you're saying. You're stunned. You're not thinking clearly. Let me do your thinking for the moment. We've got to get out of here right now. Where have you brought me, Mr. Fellows? This is a little shack no one else knows about. It's on the edge of town, and the jungle's right at our elbows. We can be miles away before morning. I, I can't do it, Mr. Fellows. I, I can't run away. Uh, you're not thinking very clearly yet, Tarzan. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm still dazed by what happened. Do you know what they'd do to you if you went back? I, I don't know. I suppose they'd arrest me and later put me on trial. And you know what the outcome of the trial would be? You added up. A half dozen white men in the bar who'd identify you. Your fingerprints on the gun. A victim. A teenaged boy who couldn't have had a gun permit. They'd swear the gun was yours. And that you'd shot him in cold blood. But Captain Lawrence would tell them that, that I've never carried a gun in my life. Oh, he tried to help you, Tarzan, but he couldn't do you any good. The verdict would be guilty. Guilty! And they wouldn't even give you the blessed release of the electric chair or the rope. What would they do? They'd put you in a penitentiary for life. You'd spend the rest of your days in captivity behind bars, like a caged animal. Is that what you want? No, no, no. I couldn't stand that. I, I've always been free. I can't, I can't even stand the restrictions of a city. You'd spend the rest of your days in a musty cell, a dark cell, Tarzan. No light, no trees, no flowers, no animals. Just four bare walls to stare at, day after day, year after year. What, what shall I do? You must go beyond the reaches of man. You must flee to the most remote spot in the entire jungle. Some place where you can never be found. Oh, yes. The, the Mutia Escarpment, I, I was going there. We must leave for there tonight. We? You're in no condition to go alone, so I'm coming with you. I'm your friend. Yes, you... You are my friend. Uh, shall, shall we leave now, Mr. Fellows? I'll be back in half an hour. I have one small detail to take care of first. I want to go along, Uncle. I want to see the graveyard of the elephants. Don't be a fool, Malcolm. If Tarzan saw you, he'd realize he hadn't shot you, that the whole thing had been a trick. But I could disguise myself. I'm a very good actor. Didn't I do everything just the way you said? Yes, you did very well, Malcolm, but it may take months to reach the escarpment, and you couldn't fool Tarzan all that time. But what'll I do until you get back? What do I care what you do? You're not coming back. You promised me half the money from the ivory, but you don't really intend to give it to me. You never did. Now, take it easy, Malcolm. Why shouldn't I give you your share of the money? Because you're greedy, that's why. You took the money my mother and father left me. Every shilling of it. And you intend to take all the money from the ivory, too. I know it. Well, I won't let you get away with it. Hands off of me, Malcolm. You won't cheat me again. You think I'm a fool, but I'm not. I warn you, Malcolm, I've got a gun. I don't care what you've got. I won't let you cheat me. Don't stop this instant. You'll be sorry. I'll make you take me along with you. I'll make you take me to the graveyard of the elephants. I won't let you cheat I me. I warn you, Malcolm. It was better that way. No one can ever claim the ivory I'll find with the help of my friend, Tarzan. In just a moment, the exciting conclusion of the trail of death. Ooh, yeah, we do something right here, uh-huh. 
Starting as large as 11 99 per month, those are facts just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? Tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. As Mr. Fellows had predicted, Tarzan and he were far from the city of Tarak by dawn of the next day. And though Tarzan's heart was heavy, they continued to press on day after day and week after week. Until suddenly, beyond the maze of riotous jungle growth, there loomed a mountainous palisade, its summit lost in a haze of purple mist. This was the gateway to the Mutia Escarpment. It's... it's fantastic. I... I feel strange. I thought the sight of the escarpment would make me feel free again, but it... it doesn't. What do you mean? There's no peace for me there now, there or anywhere else. We're turning back. But you can't do that to me. To you? That's right. I'm in this just as deeply as you are. I helped a murderer escape. I'm an accessory to the crime, and if we went back, I'd face the same fate you do. Is that to be my payment for befriending you? No, I... I suppose I couldn't do that to you. Then let's get started again. This is it. I feel as though I were on top of the world. You are, almost. Are you all right? Am I all right? You carried me halfway up those cliffs and literally dragged me the rest of the way. Don't you think you had better stop to rest for a while? Well, we're almost to the spot where my treehouse was. I, I want to see if it's still there. Besides, it isn't safe to stop with the Moatungas on our trail. I haven't seen them during the last hour or so. Well, they aren't very far behind, but unless they've gained new bravery, they won't come this far. They, they always felt that I was some sort of a demon and... <laughs> that the land about my treehouse was full of dangerous jungle spirits. They did act very frightened of you when we encountered them back in that clearing. Well, that was their part of the jungle, and they believe that there they can... Look! Look! It's still there, my treehouse! It is it, that. But it's a long way up. I, I don't believe I... Hold on there. Ah. You, you really gave me a start, picking me up like that and swinging me up here. Hey, that's quite a house. Now, come inside. All right. It's still in perfect condition. They, they haven't touched it. Apparently, they're still afraid to come here. It's quite an amazing house. Much bigger than it looked from the ground. Oh, but it's still not a sanctuary for me. 
Having committed a murder, I'll never find peace again. Look, Tarzan. Look, you'll, you'll be safe here until morning. I, I shall return. Don't, don't, don't leave me up here all alone. Mr. Fellows, I never should have brought you to the escarpment, but I've done so, and I promise that I shall guard your life with my own as long as you're here. But I must leave you until morning. But, but where are you going? To find the companions of my childhood. The wild apes and the giant elephants who were once my friends. Perhaps with them I shall find an answer. This might well have been the Tarzan of old, clambering through the upper level, soaring like a bird as he swung from tree to tree, clinging to the topmost branch of a giant kaya as he raised his voice in the triumphant call of the bull ape. And as his call reverberated through the escarpment, the denizens of the jungle listened and became aware that Tarzan had returned. Like a mighty army, they started toward the sound of his voice. For to them, Tarzan was still their leader, the undisputed Lord of the Jungle. And that night, while Tarzan roamed the forests with friends who asked nothing of him, Mr. Fellows deserted the treehouse, cautiously made his way to the ground, and followed the trail back until he arrived at the camp of the savage Moatangas. I'd like to see your chief. Zoto, chief. Your headman, your leader. Leader. Look, look, there must be someone here who speaks English. I've come here to do you a favor. I'm your friend. Uh, friend, friend. It's awfully. I'm your friend, I tell you. I've come to warn you that Tarzan's going to drive you out. He's come back to kill the Martangas. But I can bring him within your power. How? Oh. So, now you speak English, eh? Speak, white man. I'll speak only to your chief. Uh, here is chief. Oh, hello there. How you help us destroy man-devil Tarzan? <laughs> Not so fast. I've got a bargain to make. You show me the graveyard of the elephants and furnish me enough men to carry the ivory back to civilization, and I'll cook up a little plan to bring Tarzan into your camp here. <laughs> Tarzan, come now to save friend who is captive. The chief of the Mawatangas had spoken the truth. Tarzan had already discovered the absence of his friend, and even now he was entering the Mawatanga forest of the escarpment. He traveled on the back of a giant elephant, and the army he brought to battle the savage horde of natives consisted of a dozen similar elephants, their strong yellow tusks gleaming in the early light of dawn. The Mawatangas had tied fellows by their council ring, but his guards fell back as Tarzan and his army entered the clearing. Spears flashed in the air. Tarzan's knife wreaked vengeance. The yellow tusks, like angry scimitars, tore through the ranks of the enemy. And then as Tarzan shouted orders... One of the elephants grasped Fellows and swung him onto his back. Now the herd of elephants, one bearing Tarzan, another bearing Fellows, swarmed from the camp and turned back toward the heart of the escarpment. After them came the natives, their poison-tipped asagais filling the air. It, it looks as though we're coming to some sort of a pass through the rocks. Yes, that's right. We can make a stand here and try to fight them off. Tarzan, the elephants, they're forming a barricade here. They'll keep the Martangas from getting through the pass and we can go on. I won't leave them here to die for us. Oh, yes, you will. A gun! You've had that all along. What good would it have done for me to kill two or three of them? I'm amazed they didn't take it from you when they held you captive. They didn't know what it was for, but I do. Now hurry before, before they get here. Hurry, or I'll shoot. No, 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 don't shoot. I can't afford to die yet. All right, we'll go on, fellows, but you'll have to change mounts. Your, your elephant's been wounded and he's dying. I'm not getting off him. But you must. He has a journey to make before he dies. I know he has. A journey to the secret graveyard of elephants. Well, I'll be right with him. I'm going to find out where it is, and someday I'll come back. I'll come back and get that fortune and ivory. I'll come back, I tell you. So that was the reason you became my friend. That was why you came with me to the escarpment. Come on, Tungus. 
They're almost on us. Get going, Tarson. Get going, or I'll shoot you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you, I tell you. And so, with the balance of the elephant herd barricading the pass against the enraged Mawatangas, Tarzan and fellows moved on. The great beast that the Englishman rode was dying, but he picked his way carefully along a narrow upward trail that would have challenged the footing of a mountain goat. And through it all, fellows kept his gun trained on Tarzan. It never wavered as they climbed steadily up the sheer slopes of the escarpment, through the endless caves of the giant bats, along the winding underground passageway of the Trail of Death, and at last into the eerie silver-lighted cavern where tens of thousands of elephants had come to die. Look at them. Look at them, thousands of huge skeletons. Thousands of ivory tusks, enough to make me rich as a king. Yes. You've seen what no other white man except me has ever seen. I was afraid they might not bring me here unless you were along. But I have no need for you now, Tarzan. I know it'll be hard to make my way back, but with this ivory as a girl, I... Watch out, fellows. Your elephant is dying. He's, he's about... He's moving! He's moving! All right, fellows, you can get up to your feet. And you won't be needing this gun. What? What? What are you going to do to me? Nothing. Nothing? But I'll keep an eye on you. We're leaving the escarpment at once. We're going to Tarak. For I've decided that I must accept whatever fate holds in store for me there. I shall have to face the murder charge. You face no murder charge, Todd. Captain Lawrence. Well, I told you that if you didn't come back, I'd find my way to the escarpment. I didn't anticipate the things I've been through. What, what did you mean when you said I face no murder charge? The lad you supposedly killed was more rugged than he looked. He even managed to survive a real bullet fired at him by his dear uncle. Malcolm's alive. Well, enough now to testify against you, Mr. Fellows. You're under arrest. I wish I knew what this is all about. I'll tell you the whole story on the return trip to Tarak. Unless you're staying here. No. No, I'm ready to come back, Captain Lawrence. I've learned that freedom is not a matter of geography. A state of the heart. We'll return in a moment with a preview of our next exciting story of Tarzan. Africa is a violent place, used to the savageries of man and of beast, and yet the actions of one man cause a wave of horror to sweep over the entire continent. The government officials, the native police, and even crime-hardened convicts join in the human web that spreads through the Congo in a giant manhunt. And Tarzan becomes a central figure in the bizarre chase, for there's a killer at large. Included in our cast were Jack Moyles, Walter White III, Shep Mencken, and John Stevenson. Tarzan, a transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production. Listen to our next story, Killer at Large, another thrilling episode of The Lord of the Jungle. Charles Arlington speaking. to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media.
From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now, in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Killer at Large. Africa is a violent place, used to the savageries of man and of beast. And yet the entire continent was swept by a wave of shock when the horrifying news came over the Johannesburg radio. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news flash. Judge Harley Cartwright, his wife and two of their children, were murdered in their sleep sometime between 11 o'clock last night and 7 this morning. Their bodies were discovered by Miss Brunhilde Grison, a servant who reported for work at that hour. No further details are available at this time. Judge Cartwright... It hardly seems possible. What a tremendous loss to the country. He was the right one. He was. It's a horrible thing. I feel as though I'd lost my best friend. And thousands in Africa must feel the same way. Yes, Africa was in mourning for the one man who had done more than any other to bring equal justice for all to the dark continent. And on the black day of his murder, people spoke of his greatness. They told, for example, of how he'd once sentenced his own son, not a victim of the mass killing, for a minor infraction of the law, and then dismissed a similar case against a native, on the grounds that his son knew better, and the native did not. Yes, Africa's greatest exponent of justice was dead, and the people wept. Then on the heels of their bereavement came anger and indignation. Fourteen hours that there is no clue to the killer. Unless I have something to report by tonight, there's apt to be serious trouble here. Yeah, we must have action, not words. We must find out who killed White Warner. I'd say it's high time the police made some headway in this case. Well, Captain Lawrence? I haven't been able to find a single clue, Governor. The servant who discovered the bodies is a woman of excellent character. Apparently no one else was even near the house. And Judge Cartwright was the most beloved man in Africa. Even the men he sentenced seemed to admire him. So far as I've been able to learn, he hadn't a single enemy. See here, Lawrence. The murder of Judge Cartwright, his wife, and two of her children prove that he had an enemy. And I want a man caught. All of Africa is screaming for his blood. And unless we produce results, we'll have a political upheaval unparalleled in our history. Oh, pardon me, Governor. I can't see anyone now. But I'm in your outer office, and I've come over a thousand miles to see you. Thousand? That's right, and I dislike these mechanical contrivances. Perhaps you could spare me just a moment in person? Of course, come in. Uh, Governor, my heart's been heavy. I think now I can attack the problem with renewed strength. I sincerely hope so, Lawrence. Thousand, it's good to see you. It's good to see you, my friend. Thousand, uh, meet Governor Murdoch. I've heard a great deal about you, Thousand, and I hope Captain Lawrence will be able to enlist your help. I'll run along now. Keep in constant touch with me, Lawrence. I'll do that, sir. Happy to have met you, Tarzan. Goodbye, Governor. Well, sit down, won't you? What, uh, what did the Governor mean that he hopes you can enlist my help? I'm faced with the toughest case of my entire career, Tarzan. There's been a mass killing, and I haven't been able to find a clue. No footprints or other tangible evidence. No motives. No leads whatsoever. You're referring to the death of Judge Cartwright and his family? You know about it? Oh, the jungle drums transmit information faster than the radios and telegraphs of civilized lands. Oh, yes, yes, I'd forgotten. Tarzan, I need your help more than I've ever needed it before. I don't require any urging, Captain Lawrence. Every man of the jungle knows what Judge Cartwright meant to Africa. If it's within my power, I'll find the man who killed him. And when I do, I hope I shall be able to restrain myself from taking his punishment into my own two hands. <laughs> 
return in just a moment to our story of Killer at Large. But despite Tarzan's help, no clue was found to the strange murder of Judge Cartwright and three members of his family. The days moved on, the temper of Africa's people grew, and now the sorrow of the great man's death was lost in a tumult of anger. It's a national disgrace and something ought to be done about it. I see it. Remove the governor from office and get a new aid of the police. Captain Lawrence is the one to blame. He's responsible for muddling the case. Captain Lawrence, we need a whole new police. Yes, Captain Lawrence was to be the scapegoat. Tarzan's friend was now to absorb the misdirected anger of the multitude. The people thirsted for revenge against the killer of the beloved Judge Cartwright, but since not even a suspect could be discovered, they'd find some satisfaction in having the police captain stripped of rank. Captain Lawrence was deeply worried, but not about his own position nor the anger of the people. If the perpetrator of this crime escapes unpunished, it will set the country back 20 years. I know you've worked hard to bring law and order to Africa, Captain Lawrence. Well, I'm only one man, Tarzan. Thousands have devoted their lives to making this a civilized country. Judge Cartwright, perhaps more than any other, ironic that his death may be the beginning of a new wave of crime here. Captain Lawrence, I think we've ignored one large possibility. Oh, what's that? The criminals Judge Cartwright was forced to send us to prison. But no prisoners escaped recently. I told you that. Yes, I know you did, but we haven't uncovered a clue in any other direction. Well, that's certainly true. Uh, where, where are these men imprisoned? In the National Prison on Hangman's Island. But there's no sense trying to question any of them. They're a bloodthirsty lot of hardened criminals who wouldn't part with a word of information if they could. Well, not to a police officer, perhaps, but they... They might confide in a fellow prisoner. Well, to a fellow prisoner, yes, but... Tarzan, you're not suggesting... With a little makeup, I should be perfectly safe, but even without a disguise, I doubt that any of my fellow prisoners would recognize me. You've been responsible for sending several of them to their well-deserved imprisonment. If they found out you were there as a spy, your life wouldn't be worth tuppence. Oh, surely they have guards to prevent any outbreak of violence. There aren't nearly enough guards, and I'll have to admit that the warden there is a very poor disciplinarian. He's held his job by a narrow thread for several years now. It's suicide for you to go there, Tarzan. Africa's greatest friend is dead, Captain. And my life compared to his has little value. But I, I will need your help in being sentenced to Hangman's Island. Well, I can arrange it, Tarzan. And I'll be doing so with a heart that's full of dread. One more word, and you have no meals tomorrow. I can hear you, and I hope you enjoy your company. Oh, we've got to share this filthy rat trap with another blighter now, eh? Put another one in here, can you? Come on, you. The empty bunk is over in my corner. The light's a little bad this hour, but if you keep close to me, you won't stumble. Thanks. How many men in this cell? Six. No rum lot they are, too, I can tell you that. Oh, here we are, mighty. Your bunk's just above. <laughs> See what I mean? They won't none of them talk to me anyway. They think they're too good for me because they're all in for murder. I'm only in for armed robbery. I see. If I try to call to some pals in the next cell, he takes my rations away, he does. The warden? Yes. Him. The warden. I heard he wasn't so bad. Oh, he didn't used to be. Up until Ross got away. Oh? Someone escaped? Oh, you're interested, Addy. You think maybe you can escape? Uh, maybe. Well, you can forget about that in a hurry, chum. During the last ten days, we ain't even allowed out of ourselves. So we're on how to do, I can tell you that. This Ross escaped ten days ago? I said that, didn't I? 
Seems to me you're getting mighty. Did he say why he wanted to escape? Or was he out for revenge against someone? Well, he didn't say. It was a quiet one, he was. But just plain you're not. If I thought for a moment you was... What are you doing? I'm just lighting a match so that I can see where my bunk is. How come they let you hold on your matches? And how come you're looking for your bunk over by the window? I told you it was right overhead. I couldn't see where... Wait a minute. Now I'm beginning to understand. So that's why you're willing to talk to the likes of me. You're a spy. That's what you are. You've been pumping me for information. Oh, no, no. You're Man, mistaken. Man, the new was... is a spy. He's a spy. <laughs> In the inky blackness of the prison cell, the enraged convicts closed in on Tarzan. The odds were staggering, and these were men who knew every trick of the game. One of the men managed to get behind Tarzan, and the Lord of the Jungle tripped as he stepped backward to avoid a fresh assault. Now the men were on top of him like vultures swooping down on a dying beast. But suddenly the air was rent with machine gun fire. Captain Lawrence had seen the flickering match in the window and had commandeered the prison guards. Now the convicts untangled themselves and shrunk to the sides of the unkempt cell. They remained there as Captain Lawrence entered and escorted the new prisoner to the office of the warden. What is the meaning of this action, Captain Lawrence? I'll tell you what it means. It means that Tarzan found out what he came here to find out. Tarzan? Yes, I learned that a prisoner escaped from here ten days ago, the day before Judge Cartwright and his family were killed. Is that true, Skyler? Yeah, it is true. Then why wasn't it reported? I... I must have overlooked it. That's a lie, and you know it. What are you covering up? Nothing. Nothing, I swear it. I... I was afraid if the news got out, it would mean my job. It will. But we have other matters to take care of first. Tarzan, how much did you find out? The man's name is Ross. That's all I learned. But I'm not through with my fellow prisoners yet. And I'm not through with the warden. Before we leave here, we'll have the complete story. The identity of the man who killed Judge Cartwright was learned early this morning. He's George Ross, 22, an escaped convict who believed Judge Cartwright had dealt too harshly with him. Ross is described as good-looking, soft-spoken, and deceivingly gentle of manner. He is five feet, eight inches tall, has blue eyes and brown hair. When last seen, he wore a prison uniform and was armed with a Tommy gun he had wrested from a prison guard. And now we bring you Captain Stanley Lawrence of the governmental police speaking from Hangman's Island. Come in, Captain Lawrence. This is Captain Lawrence. The record of George Ross, although he's only 22, is long and bloody. He knows that his capture will mean life imprisonment or death, and it is believed that he'll do anything to prevent that capture. He's armed and he's dangerous. His whereabouts at this time are unknown, but all of Africa is advised to keep a sharp lookout for this killer, who is still at large. In just a moment, we'll learn the fate of Tarzan when he enters the jungle in pursuit of the killer. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Now the identity of the killer was known. His description was telegraphed to every city in Africa. It was relayed to native villages by the talking drums of the jungle. It was sent overseas to every civilized country on the globe. And the greatest manhunt that Africa had ever known was set in motion. I expect every single police officer to disregard the clock. You to stay on duty 24 hours a day until the man is apprehended. Spread through jungle. Find man. 
capture Makawa, who killed black man's friend. Not stop until capture killer of great white woman. There's 50 of us prisoners wants to volunteer, sir. Even though Judge Cartwright sentenced most of us, we know he was a square one, and we'd like a go at the blighter would done him in. You can send us out with guards if you like, but we'll find him for you, we will. I'm calling for a vigilante committee of a thousand men, and on behalf of the government, I'm offering a thousand pounds reward. <laughs> Well, it looks as though we'll have plenty of help in catching Ross. Help? We won't have a hand in it at all if we continue to sit in my office. Well, be patient, Captain Lawrence. Patient? Dozen, I can't understand you. Half the men in the country are beating through the bush and you refuse to start out. Why, he may be thousands of miles from here by this time. In what direction? Eh? It's pointless to go running into the jungle until we have some idea of where he is. We know he started toward Kigoma. Yes, ten days ago. Don't forget this, he may have heard that radio report too. And if he did, he hurried away from that section as fast as he could. He may be traveling in any one of a dozen different directions. Yes, that's true, but... Oh, just a minute until I take this down. Those poor boys. What's happened? Three of my men killed, shot down in cold blood. With a machine gun? Yes. Where did it take place, Captain Lawrence, and when? Near Linfonis, early this morning. Oh, it's a great price to pay for information, but now we know where he was this morning. I'm ready to leave now, Captain Lawrence. I hope we can arrive before Ross claims more lives. <laughs> Carrion birds circling just ahead. Might mean a dying animal or a dying man. Perhaps Ross has found another victim. Hurry, Captain Lawrence. It is a man. Where? Just ahead, behind that clump of bushes. Uh, you're right. Face down on the wet clay. Machine gun. It's more of Ross's work, all right. Uh, oh, oh. Doesn't he? He's still alive. Just about. See if we can turn him over gently. Now that's... Oh, it's Warden Schuyler. Warden of Hangman's Island. Mm. Warden. Yeah? It's Tarzan and Captain Lawrence. We, we may still be able to save you, sir. No. Don't bother with me. Come on. Capture him. He's insane. Ross? Yeah. I I came after him. I thought maybe I could undo the wrong I did. But I... Uh... Dead. He turned out to be a brave man after all. What a way to prove it. Tarzan, machine gun fire. Uh, several miles from here. Only a few miles. We're close on his trail, Tarzan. No, not close enough. I'm going on without you, Captain Lawrence. I have to make the greatest speed I can. Well, good luck, Tarzan. And don't take too many chances. Another victim, though. Only hadn't got that ten-day head start. Hello, Marty. You. That's right, Jim. And you're just in time to see your old cellmate turn up his toes. Well, perhaps I can get you to some native village where they can... Knock it. I know I'm done in. But I ain't afraid to die. I've done my best to do the right thing before I kicked in. And I almost had him, I did. Ross? Yes, Ross. The dirty swine. Killing poor innocent people just because of a fancy wrong what he claimed against the judge. May he rest in peace. Now hop it and catch up with him. But I... I... Can't leave you here to die alone. alone or in a crowd. What's the difference? I'll die easier, I will. If I know you're holding his trail. Now make tracks, mighty. Make tracks. Well, another day has passed, and George Ross is still at large. This, the 13th day since his murder of Judge Cartwright, was marked by the death of two more men. One a member of a citizen's committee from Point Noir, the other unidentified. 
Apparently, Ross still has a supply of ammunition, for the latter victim had been machine-gunned beyond recognition. Ross's knowledge of the jungle and his great cunning continue to amaze the police. Even Tarzan, a man unsurpassed in his mastery of the Congo, has been unable to sight the killer. The trail of death that Ross has left in his wake makes it plain that he is now somewhere in the southwest portion of French Equatorial Africa. But heavy rains, which have been sweeping the district for the past several days, makes his eventual capture increasingly difficult, and perhaps impossible. But Tarzan refused to recognize the impossibility of his task. The jungle storm continued to mount in violence, but he kept on. For now, he was traveling in the upper level of the jungle district he knew best. The trees bent with the fury of the storm, the thunder rolled, and the lightning cracked. And then suddenly, as a great flash of lightning illuminated the belt, they saw each other. The jungle man in the upper level, and the man of the city far below. Tarzan could not make out his features from that distance, but the tommy gun he held in the crook of his arm furnished ample identification. Tarzan grasped the swinging vine and hurled himself downward. But just then, the lightning flashed again. A huge limb was struck by the blinding flash and thundered down, striking with all its weight. He crumbled and lay still. And as he lay there, unconscious, the man with the machine gun came toward him. Dead, Tarzan? Uh, uh, who are you? Me, Makio of Punya tribe. You not remember? Oh, yes, yes. Of course I remember you, but I... Confused. A limb struck me during the storm. I hear him. Makio, you, you bandaged me? See you. I not put cloth on Tarzan's but head. He, he couldn't have done it. He must have known I was hunting for him. Maybe he was the same man who saved Torgo. Someone saved Torgo from what? Torgo go out, look for killer. Fall into water where Gimla swim. Torgo fell into a stream where crocodiles were? No deal. But white men shoot gun that speak many times. Save Torgo. That's fantastic. How, how tall was this white man? Like so high. It's about 5'8", all right. Did he have blue eyes? No deal. What color was his hair? Like leaves when die. Brown hair. And he was young, wasn't he? No deal. What's young man? Akil, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard. A man kills everyone who crosses his path and halts his flight long enough to save a small native boy and binds my wounds when I'm the one closest on his heels. Well, not think he won kill Great Warner. Well, the description tallies and we know he's near here. I can't explain the strange twistings and turnings of his mind, but I, I do know that regardless of these few good things he's done, he's still a killer. And he must be caught. <laughs> We get close to man we follow. Yes, Tarzan? He's just ahead. Perhaps when we round this great mound of rocks, we'll be able to... Look. He only short distance away. He's put the machine gun aside for a moment. While he plays with a lion cub. It's incredible. What do we do? We have to do our duty, even though it's obvious that there's good in this man, too. But, Keo, you, you head back. Get word to Captain Lawrence that I'll meet him and his men at my seacoast cabin, that I'll have George Ross with me. McKeo, do as Tarzan say. Keep well, Lord of Jungle. Now to sneak up on him before he sees me and grasps that gun again. You're a cute little thing. I can't see why your mother deserted you. <laughs> Gosh, I hate to leave you here alone, too, but I have to keep on. They mustn't catch me. If they do, I'll be taken back to prison. You're virtually there now. You didn't reach for that gun. You killed your last man. You, you know about it. All of Africa knows. You may have spared my life last night, but I've got to turn you over to the authorities. Yes, sir. I suppose you do. And jail's a bitter place. It's a little late to start thinking of that now. Yes, I guess it is. But I did what I had to do. You're, you're not even sorry. No, I'm not. All right, let's get going. 
I'm taking you to my seacoast cabin. The police will meet us there, and I'll turn you over to them. And, and you needn't think of escape. My knife moves quickly. Could we take this lion cub along? It seems a shame to leave him here. He's so defenseless. He's able to fend for himself. And your sudden bursts of kindness do not impress me. You're a killer, and you'll get the same punishment that's meted out to other killers. Yes, that's the law. All right. I'm ready to go with you. <laughs> Angry mob. They've come for me. That's right. But don't worry. Captain Lawrence is going to do everything in his power to hold them back. You'll be given a fair trial. Oh, I'm not worried about that. Nothing seems to matter in here. Who is it? It's Lawrence. Oh, good work, Tarzan. All right, young man. Put out your wrists. Do you have to put these handcuffs on me? I won't cause any trouble. He hasn't made any attempt to escape from me, Captain Lawrence. And he has some trick up his sleeve. Just put your wrists out. You're not getting away from me, Mr. George Ross. Ross? I'm not George Ross. I'm Harley Cartwright, Jr. What? The judge's son? I killed Ross two days ago. I've been trailing him ever since he killed my mother and my father, my kid sister and brother. Well, I'd forgotten there was an elder son. The unidentified man, the one who was machine gunned beyond recognition. That, that must have been Ross. It was. If I'd gotten to him a day or two earlier, I, I could have saved some of the men he killed. But why have you been carrying that machine gun? I had no other weapons to use against the jungle animals. I didn't stop to get a gun when I went after Ross. I guess I sort of lost my head. But you spoke about jail being a bitter place. What What do you know about jail? I spent a month there once. You see, I once violated a minor law, and my father committed me there as a lesson. But I never held it against him. He was right. But, Harley, why have you been running away? Because I came upon Ross when he was sleeping. I could have brought him back a prisoner, but I didn't. I kept remembering what he'd done. I picked up a gun, I pressed the trigger, and I, I couldn't let go of it. I kept firing and firing and firing. I know it was wrong to take the law into my own hands. I knew you'd be after me, but I couldn't help it. Harley, you, you did do wrong. And I know that Captain Lawrence will have to take you into custody. But outside that door is a crowd of people who... Who loved your father. There are thousands like them all over Africa. I, I can't believe that a jury made up of these people will... will deal too harshly with you. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. 
Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now, in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of First Prize, Death. The capital really consisted of two cities. In the old city, ox-drawn carts threaded their way through a melange of richly robed Arabs, of nearly naked savages, of Hindus and Eurasians. The scent of strong spices filled the air and blended with the music of the Orient. But the new city was typically modern. The governor's palace was of glass brick and marble, and its gleaming white driveway played host to many late-model cars. Now, in the brightness of the tropical morning, a limousine drove up to the entrance and a man got out. Like the city, he too was a strange combination. His complexion was swarthy, his features oriental, and yet his suit was of an English cut, and he walked briskly through the halls of the palace in a manner foreign to the east. Thank you, Governor. I've been expecting it. Oh, but perhaps I was too hasty. I was expecting a gentleman who phoned me from Cairo. I am he. Your... Reginald Whiting? That is correct. <laughs> you find it hard to accept an English name in the possession of one with an Egyptian countenance? Oh, I meant no offense. I merely thought that perhaps some mistake had been made. We have many requests for interviews. You made no mistake, and I made none when I took an English name, legally. You see, as I explained over the phone, I conduct a travel service. <laughs> I find that a British name helps me in my business. You sound as though you had your schooling in England. That is correct. <laughs> but I did not travel from Cairo to discuss my person, but to speak with you about my business. I shall be happy to listen to your problems, Mr. Um, Whiting. I shall be brief. There has been much crime in Africa recently. Many reports of native uprisings, of Bedouin raids, of killings in the Congo. These stories have hurt the travel business. Yes, I imagine such a reaction is quite normal. These unfavorable reports must be counteracted. And so, I propose to do a job of public relations. <laughs> I have a plan that will paint our country in glowing terms in the newspapers of America. Well, we should certainly like to have more American tourists. They bring prosperity to a country. That is correct. <laughs> it is therefore to the country's advantage to have my plan put into operation. And just what is your plan? I propose to hold a contest in America to find the most representative American girl. This all-American girl is to receive, as a prize, a trip to Africa. Mm, that sounds very good. Ah, but wait... This is to be no ordinary tour, but one that will include a safari deep into the heart of the Congo, a camel caravan across the great desert, an expedition through the fabulous catacombs of the ancient pharaohs. But that's unheard of. Your people resent outsiders going through those underground tombs. <laughs> that is correct. But in this case, permission shall be granted. Furthermore, I shall make all the arrangements and bear all the expenses for the entire contest personally. I will, however, require the public sponsorship of your government. You shall have it, Mr. Whiting. 
The plan sounds capital, and I'll give you every cooperation. Believe me, Tarzan, it was like manna from heaven. This gentleman is bearing the entire cost of the contest and the prize himself? Precisely. And just when I thought we'd have to pay for some sort of public relations job. Things have been a bit rough lately, you know. Yes, Africa needs a campaign of goodwill, but why did you send for me? What, what connection can I have with this contest? A very important connection, Tarzan. Mr. Whiting plans, among other things, a safari into the Congo for this girl. Now, if the girl sees all there is to see and then returns home safely, it will be a big thing for us, a great boost for the country. I see. But if anything happens to her, it will spread across the front pages of every paper in the civilized world. It will do us irreparable harm. Oh, yes, I can understand that. So, during her trip through the jungle, I want you to act as her guide and her protector. I'm not asking this as a personal favor, mind you, but one that I'd like you to do for Africa. Well, Tarzan? Well, the whole scheme sounds very strange. I have no desire to act as a guide, and I hesitate to be responsible for anyone's life in the heart of the Congo, but you've placed the matter as a responsibility to Africa, and so I, I must say yes. Yes, I'll do everything within my power to protect the girl. I cannot see the need for this subterfuge, Mr. Whiting. But, Holy One... One cannot go to America, kidnap a girl, and bring her thousands of miles against her will. This is the 20th century. I know nothing of the modern age. I live in a world of my ancestors, and so I am forced to accept your plan. But you must not fail. The girl must be delivered here in accordance with the Holy Word. I shall not fail, Holy One. Your arrangements are now completed? That is correct. A message arrived this morning assuring me we now have not only the sponsorship of the governor of the province, but also that of the Lord of the Jungle. Ah, you have done well, servant. And when will the girl arrive? I leave for America today, and before many moons have passed, I will return with her. There is but one question in my mind. How will you manage to have the right girl win the contest? <laughs> it shall be arranged, Holy One, and without suspicion. She will have not the slightest inkling that the contest's first prize will be death deep in the catacombs of the pharaohs. <laughs> We'll return to our exciting story in just a moment. Perhaps you remember the contest to select the All-American Girl. It received considerable publicity on the radio, in the daily newspaper, and in at least one national picture magazine. The details of the first prize had stimulated much interest. A luxury cruise to Africa, a reception by the governor, a colorful safari through the Congo, an exciting caravan across the desert, a thrilling expedition through the mysterious catacombs of the pharaohs. A naive American public eagerly awaited the decision of Mr. Whiting's hand-picked judges. But the winner was informed in advance by the astute Mr. Whiting himself. But, Mr. Whiting, there must be some mistake. I didn't even enter the contest. Oh, we received your entry, Miss Johnson. Perhaps some admirer sent in your picture and your qualifications. Well, I can't imagine who could have done it. Oh, but that's not important. The important thing is that you have been selected from among all of those girls. <laughs> Are you not excited? Oh, of course I'm excited. The trip sounds super. Just imagine sailing to... Oh, but it hardly seems fair for me to... Were you to decline the honor, it would be most unfair to the judges who spent many weeks poring over the pictures and the statistics. Oh, but all the other girls, probably hundreds of them have been dreaming. When the results are published tomorrow, you will see that the other girls have received many fine prizes, including wonderful trips to other countries, 
But you, my dear Peggy, have won the first prize. I can't understand your skepticism, Tarzan. Why, look at this publicity. It's worth a fortune. Yes, I suppose it is. By Jove, look at this picture here. The one where she's sitting on the rail of the ship. A deucedly attractive young lady, I'd say. Yes, she's very pretty. I say, your enthusiasm practically bowls me over. What's eating you, old man? Well, frankly, I don't know. But we in the jungle rely on instinct, and then there's something about whiting that just doesn't add up. Perhaps your instinct doesn't work so well in the city. I've checked into whiting's firm, and it has the finest reputation in all of Africa. He's perfectly all right, I tell you. And very generous, too. Why, all the things that girl will receive at the reception tonight are fantastic. Yes, too fantastic, perhaps. Oh, come off it, old man. The ship docks at noon. Her interview with the press is set for three o'clock. My wife and I entertain her at a private dinner at seven. And at nine, there's the big reception. Now, come. We can't afford to have glum faces mar the festivities. I promise to set my face in a permanent grin. But I can't promise to erase the doubts concerning whiting that exist in my mind. Tarzan's doubts would have been multiplied and the governor's complacency shattered had they witnessed Mr. Whiting's hurried departure from the ship upon its arrival and his speedy journey to a secret meeting place. The stone building lost in the maze of the old city was far from Egypt, but the meeting was important and many of the high priests of the cult had come to hear the report of Mr. Whiting. Speak, servant of Nakavi. My mission in America was successful. I located the daughter of Emil Johnson, the blasphemous Christian who once defiled the tomb of our pharaoh by digging in it with pickaxes and shovels. The acolytes you once sent to his country to bring him back for punishment failed. And later, death robbed us of our victim. But I, I have not failed. The firstborn child of Emil Johnson lives, and I have brought her to Africa in accordance with the holy word. You are to be congratulated upon your resourcefulness, Mr. Whiting. But now the chosen ones of Nechabi desire to know when she will be delivered to the catacombs that constitute the final resting place of our pharaoh and which must be her final resting place in accordance with the word. The time is not distant, Holy One. To avert suspicion, we must first permit her to enjoy the excursion she was promised. But when summer has passed and the air grows chill in the underground tombs, she shall be brought for sacrifice. It is well. But remember this, servant of Nechabi. If anything happens to this girl, if anything prevents her arrival at the catacombs, you shall pay dearly. Dishonor and death will be yours, and the disgrace and the vengeance shall extend to your family, to your wife, to your daughter, I even to the third generation. Oh, if I fail, you will take the life of my beloved grandson. Such is the law of Nechabi. I shall not fail. I shall accompany the girl wherever she goes. She shall be delivered at the appointed hour to her destiny. This is exciting. Actually cutting our way through the jungle. And our porters are all so savage looking. Oh, it's wonderful. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. How about you, Tarzan? Oh, I'm always at home in the jungle. But I'm surprised you decided to come with us, Mr. Whiting. <laughs> I guess it was my own eloquence. When the governor called on me at the reception, and I started to tell what was ahead for Peggy here, 
I decided on the spur of the moment that it was just too good to miss. I know exactly how you feel, Mr. Whiting. It's all just like something out of a picture book. <laughs> I'm doubly glad I came along now. Your extreme pleasure is my pleasure, Peggy. Oh, oh, look at that cunning animal over there. That's an aardvark. An anteater. I remember now, I saw one in a zoo once. My father took me there just after he'd come back. Uh, hold up a minute. Boss! Boss, my porter! What's wrong? The porters are veering to the north, and I told them to gradually head south. I told them to bear to the north. You told them? That is correct. Even before I left for America, I entered into an agreement with the chief of a village to the north of here. He plans to hold dances and native feastings to entertain our fair visitor. Oh, doesn't it sound simply super? I saw this a picture village once... to the north of here. It's the village of the Kumaniko tribe, isn't it? That uh, is correct. I understand they have some very colorful ceremonies. Very colorful and blood-curdling. Are they cannibals? They're an ugly race and one whose chief has violated every law of the jungle. Our paths have crossed in the past and I've... I've found them a people without honor. Oh, I'm afraid you're taking this all a bit too seriously, Tarzan. Honestly, if I believed any danger existed, I wouldn't take Peggy to their village. There's always the threat of danger among the Kumanikos. Well, I, I won't make an issue of it. One native tribe's pretty much like another. Have you made arrangements with some other tribe? No, I've made no special arrangements, but I'm sure Peggy will be content to see one of the tribes just as it is, without any prearranged show being put on for her. Oh, no, I'd much rather go where they're putting on special dances and feastings. It sounds simply scrumptious to me. Oh, then it's decided. And I think we've wasted enough time. Let's get going. Manyapala! <laughs> natives beating the drums with their bare feet. These Kumanikos are madmen. They'll dance on those drums until they're exhausted, and then others will spring up to take their places. And, and that one who's dancing around the chief, what's he supposed to be doing? <laughs> he is an odd one. What's he dressed up to represent, Tazi? He's the chief griot, a sort of court jester, and he's permitted the most outrageous impertinences because he acts as a, a year-round entertainer. Oh, he's sort of cute at that. Well, the mask he wears bears the symbol of authority. It means he's now masquerading as the chief. What's he doing, grabbing that native woman by the arm? That's hard to tell. They're acting out some sort of a story. Probably some event in their past history, or something that they plan for the future. The uh, the king, represented by the griot, is leading a woman, perhaps a bride the king desires, into a cave. You see, now he's, he's pretending to seal the cave with a rock. And he's pretending to, to strike the woman over the head to show his mastery of her. They never saw anything like this back home. What are the other two dancers doing? The ones who are painted white. I don't know who they're supposed to represent, but they're obviously enemies of the king. You, you see, the griot is pretending to fight them. <laughs> it hardly looks like pretending. Oh, look, the enemies have fallen. <laughs> when the griot makes up a story, he sees to it that the king is always victorious. It's sort of a life insurance for him. Well, that looks like the end of the show for tonight Oh, gee, it's been fun, but I am tired You like what we do for you? We've all enjoyed your dances and your ceremonies very much It's good, you sleep now We take you Hemas Men go with warriors Keo, come with me where, where are you taking the girl? Hema for men, that end village Hema, women, other end I shall, Kyobi. I, uh, I'm not used to sleeping indoors. I shall sleep outside of the hut containing the girl. Do as you wish, Tarzan. Will not change path of moon or journey of sun. No, Tarzan's decision was not to change the course that had been decided upon by the chief of the Kumanikos. Near dawn, when Tarzan's tired eyelids began to close, a dozen fierce warriors pounced upon him and bound his hands and feet. Then, leaving a guard behind, they swarmed into the hut that contained Peggy and carried her off into the jungle. But the third member of the white man's party had been ignored. A weak and puny man, he was considered harmless by the mighty men of Kumaniko. 
But they had not counted on his insane fear when he found the girl missing. The promise of what would happen if he did not deliver her to the Pharaoh's catacomb aroused him to maniacal frenzy, and he attacked Tarzan's guard like one possessed. Uh, that takes care of me. Quick, quick, Whiting, untie me. I'll take this savage's knife. I can cut you free easier. Now then. Uh, that gets your hands. Give me the knife, huh? I'll free my own feet. We must save the girl, Tarzan. We mustn't let anything happen to her. They headed for the jungle. There must be a cave not far from here. Come on, Whiting. You think they've taken her to a cave? Yes. I figured out the little play that Griot staged. He, he represented the king. The woman represented Peggy. And we, we were the two natives who were painted white. The chief intends taking Peggy... As his bride. Unless she resists too fiercely. And he may decide to kill her before he faces us. No. No, Tarzan. That mustn't happen. Fighting, I, I misjudged you. Your fear for the girl's safety is genuine, all right. If we can save her and manage to escape with our own skins, I, I promise to trust you after this. In just a moment, the exciting conclusion of First Prize, Death. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, aha. Uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. Ha <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, dig You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Tarzan's incredible knowledge of the jungle came to good stead as he unerringly ferreted out the cave to which Peggy Johnson had been spirited. Aided by the fear-stimulated whiting who fought like a dozen men, Tarzan waded into the warriors of Kumanika. The savages fought with an aboriginal fury. But the combination of whiting and the mighty Tarzan was too much for them. Before reinforcements could be summoned from the village, Tarzan had stormed his way into the cave, secured the girl, and slung her over his shoulder. Dragging whiting by one arm, he made for the upper level, and within a short time, they had reached safe territory. Well, Mr. Whiting, we made it. That we did, my boy. It's just the most thrilling thing that ever happened to me. And look at us now, way up in the trees. You're all right? He didn't hurt you? The chief of the Kuman Watchamacalls? Oh, I didn't exactly enjoy being in that cave with him. He smelled as though he hadn't taken a bath in a month. 
But he didn't hurt me any. All he did was wave a bag of bones at me and make all sorts of strange motions in the air. Of course, it was just another part of the show. <laughs> well, if it's all the same to the next tribe we visit, I'll have my entertainment in the open air. Well, you mean you don't want to turn back? Turn back? Don't be a goon. I never had such a dreamy time in my life. <laughs> Well, Peggy, it looks as though this is the spot where you switch from camels to horses. Oh, gee. I presume that man ahead with the horses is the one you made arrangements to meet, Mr. Whiting? That is correct. And I'd best see him about final details concerning Peggy and my journey to Cairo. See you before you leave us, Tarzan. Of course. Gosh, Tarzan, it's been the dreamiest summer of my whole life. I'll, I'll miss you. I'll miss you too, Peggy. But you're in good hands. Mr. Whiting knows more about Egypt than I'll ever know. I don't think he knows more than my dad did. He knew all about Egypt. He must have known more than that to have raised a daughter like you, Peggy. He was a, a wonderful guy. Well, I hope Egypt lives up to his stories of it. And, Peggy, you're a little inclined to be reckless. Please be careful while you're in Egypt, won't you? Careful? What in the world could happen to me there? <laughs> So, everything came out all right, eh, Tarzan? Well, I'll have to admit I enjoyed it. Peggy's a wonderful girl, and I was all wrong about Mr. Whiting. I knew it. I checked his firm, and it's one of the biggest. Well, they should have arrived in Cairo yesterday, eh? Well, if they were on schedule, and Mr. Whiting's a very punctual man. Well, it's a great relief to know that... You will pardon my interruption, Governor. I am Captain Hassan of the Egyptian police, and I have urgent business with you. Uh, this is Tarzan, a close personal friend. You may talk freely before him. Very well, and so to the point. A certain Mr. Reginald Whiting, the British owner of one of Cairo's largest tribal bureaus, left for Europe several months ago. What? But he never arrived there. He met with an unfortunate accident aboard ship. Go on. It has just come to our attention that a man posing as Mr. Whiting cashed several large checks bearing Mr. Whiting's signature and later conducted some business with you. We should like to ascertain... A young American girl was to have arrived in Cairo yesterday. There was to be a reception. I heard of the planned reception. Well, did she arrive? I believe not, but I came here to discuss... It made no the... sense at the time, but I heard him say something to the man with the horses about El Kashar. Is that near Cairo? It is not far, but there is nothing at El Kashar except some excavations once undertaken by Americans. A honeycomb of underground passages and a group of religious fanatics. Governor, how quickly can we get to El Kashar? I'll get a government plane. We can be there in a few hours. But if we have to search through a honeycomb of underground tombs, we may never find her. <laughs> It was I who brought her here, Holy One. Hey, you have done well, and you have been rewarded by seeing her bound and gagged. But now she lies on the sacrificial altar, and the ceremonies must soon begin. It's my right to witness the ceremonies. I risk my Silence. life. Silence! You are but an acolyte of the order of Nahabi. We, the chosen ones of the pharaohs, shall complete the task as it has been set down. You are but a servant, and you shall take your accustomed place as the guardian of the outer door. We shall not stand for further delay. The firstborn of he who defiled our temple... Must die at midnight. I hope Captain Hassan and his men have fared better than we have. We must have been through hundreds of these underground passages and no sign of her. Those monks, or whatever they were, wouldn't let us in half of the catacombs. We should have broken down the doors. It's taken us hours without breaking down stone doors all over El Kashar. It's almost midnight as it is. Oh, that poor girl. And the whole publicity scheme ruined. When this story gets out, no one will... Oh, here's the entrance to another underground vault. Another closed one. Use this rock to knock on the door. Maybe there are some more of those fanatics in this one. 
who approaches the portal of Nakabi? We are friends who wish to pay homage. No one is permitted in at this hour. Come on, Tarzan, it's no use. They'll never let us in. They're probably holding one of those infernal ceremonies. Is there a ceremony going on in there? That is correct. That is correct. I know that expression in that voice. Help me pick up this rock to use as a battering ram. I hope we're not too late. <laughs> Now, Captain Hassan and his men, attracted by the noise, came to help. The door of stone was battered down. Fighting was still in the first wild melee. And then, led by Tarzan, the police formed into the ceremonial room. The knife of the executioner was already raised. But Tarzan leaped upon the man with all the power of his being. Peggy was safe. And now she was brought to the surface, and Tarzan and the governor faced her with great concern. Are you sure you're all right, Peggy? Oh, of course I'm all right, Tarzan. But gee whiz, you ought to tell your playmates not to play so rough. Gosh, they sure tie those ropes around my hands and legs tight enough. You poor thing. Almost killed on the very last day of your trip. Oh, so now you're going to start it. You know the way they acted for a while. I almost thought they were on the level. <laughs> and then I remembered something they do on the dude ranches back in America. What's that, Peggy? Well, they load all the dudes into an old-fashioned stagecoach. And then they put on a phony holdup just to give them a jolt. Well, when I remembered that, I knew what those characters were up to. And I wasn't scared at all. Oh, no, of course not. <laughs> oh, gee, Tarzan, this has sure been a dreamy wind-up for my all-expense tour of Africa. Oh, what a prize. In just a moment, a preview of our next exciting story of Tarzan. You cannot see it on your map, but off the coast of Angola, not far from Point Noir, there lies a tiny island, a lovely place of great palm trees, of brilliantly plumed birds, of tropical fruit and blue lagoons. And it is to this island that fate brings a man, his lovely wife, and the son they both adore. A strange setting indeed for violence, and a fear that grows into stark terror. Included in our cast were Jack Moyles, Gloria Grant, Dan O'Herlihy, and David Wolfe. Tarzan, a transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Glasser. This is a Commodore production. Listen to our next story, Paradise Island, another thrilling episode of The Lord of the Jungle. to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. From the black core of dark Africa, land of enchantment, mystery, and violence, comes one of the most colorful figures of all time, transcribed from the immortal pen of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan, the bronzed white son of the jungle. And now, in the very words of Mr. Burroughs, the story of Paradise Island.
The Agari Airport in the French Sudan consists of a small runway hacked out of the jungle, a sort of improvised hangar made of bamboo, and a ramshackle hut imaginatively labeled Office. The sight of the Agari Airport constituted the last straw to the already disheartened trio who viewed it hopelessly as the jitney that had brought them up from the village disappeared down the narrow rock-strewn road. Well, Trevor, I hope you're satisfied now that you've stranded us out here in the wilderness. Oh, there must be someone about somewhere. I don't see any airplanes. There must be one inside that grass affair, Peter. Come on, let's walk over to the the office there. There might be someone inside. Oh, yes, and we can have a cup of tea in the restaurant there and get the latest copy of the Tatler at the newsstand. Could I have some comic books? No, there's no newsstand there, Peter. That's your mother's idea of humor. (laughs) Really, Diana, I think you might have a little consideration for Peter. I've had too much consideration for everyone. Why I ever agreed to this ridiculous trip is more than I can ever... I'll tell you why you agreed to the trip. Because we're stony broke. And Uncle Reg was the only one to come across with the offer of a job. A fine job on a rubber plantation in the center of nowhere. I don't want to go there, Daddy. I don't want to be in the center of nowhere. I think you'll like it very much, Peter. It's really apt to be very pleasant there. I'm looking forward to it. That's right, Trevor. Lie to your son the way you've always lied to your wife. Oh, all right, Diane. You have it your way. Well, we'll know soon enough if the place is deserted. I'm frightened. Oh, don't be, Peter, darling. We wouldn't let anything happen to you. I say, someone here. Just a moment and come in. You see, Diane, there's someone here after all. Ah, bonjour, madame et monsieur. Why, you an African? Oh, oh no, jean I'm a Frenchman. Well, I've lived in Africa many years. Are you the owner of the airfield here? We oui, owner, pilot, dispatcher, mechanic... Also, co-pilot, navigator, radio operator. Louis Doré, at your service, monsieur. I see. Have you a plane in which to take us to Lampande, Mr. Doré? My Uncle Red has a rubber plantation there. Oh, oui, madame, I have a plane. It is available for charter, but, uh, hey, Lampande, it is a great distance. I should have to charge you, oh, 300 pounds for the trip. 300? Oui. <laughs> but I haven't that much left. Took almost every farthing I had to get this far. Ah, so that is unfortunate, monsieur. Oh, truly, I am sorry. But it would not pay me to make such a long trip for less money. But there isn't any other way to reach Lampondi, except overland with a safari. And I couldn't take my wife and child through the jungle. Oui, you are right. And the fuel for my plane is very expensive here. I could not possibly... Look, man, I left England because I couldn't support my family there. There's a job waiting for me in Lampondi. But I have to get there by the first of the month. That leaves me only a few days. I have slightly less than 200 pounds. That's all I can offer you. It's frightfully important, Mr. Dory. Oh, well, I have never had any money. I never will ever, I suppose. I am what you say, too soft. Well, I will accept what you have in return for the journey, monsieur. It's terribly decent of you. I really do appreciate it, old man. No, not at all. But we will have to economize on fuel by crossing over the Gulf of Guinea instead of taking the inland route, which is longer. It will mean crossing a wide expanse of ocean. You have a seaplane, Mr. Torrey? No, my small one. I have only a land plane. We shall hope a forced landing is not necessary. For if it were, it would be the end for us all. We'll return to our story in just a moment. Tarzan was in his seacoast cabin, and he was expecting a visitor at any moment. Since noon, Tarzan had been aware that a native approached on the elephant trail from the south. But since the Gomangani came alone and walked slowly along an open path, it was plain that he came in friendship. 
Come in. The door isn't locked. Jumbo, Tarzan. Jumbo. Me, Juyo, messenger Mogo tribe. The Mogos are in trouble? See you. All well with tribe. Have great feast. Celebration at next moon. Want Tarzan come? You've come hundreds of miles to invite me to a celebration? Nadio. Tarzan, remember when he saved tribe, give courage to Ruka, who now is chief? Oh, of course I remember Ruka. And, and the lovely Kale, who became his bride. How are they? Are fine. Happy. Day before Juyo uh, leave with message, Kale have fine boy baby. At celebration, baby is named Tarzan. They're naming the baby after me? <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't miss that celebration with the world. He's good. I'll uh, pack some meat to take along and we'll start off. Something wrong? I hear a plane somewhere near here. Julio not hear anything? There is a plane, Julio, and the motor's missing badly. Uh, now, Julio, here, Devil Bird. Let's get outside. Perhaps we can signal the pilot not to try a landing here. Looks as though he's going to try to crash land here. He'll be killed. Watch out, plane crash into Tarzan's cabin. He's heading out to sea. There was more than one person in that plane, Julio. Where people go? To their deaths, I'm afraid. It's a large clearing on Paradise Island, but even if the pilot knows about it, the, the chances of their reaching there are one in a million. May spirits take them land of peace. Well, we leave now for celebration, Tarzan. No, no, Julio. I'm, I'm getting in my boat and heading for Paradise Island. I, I doubt that the plane will make it there, but if they do, they'll need help. And I'll hold a celebration if I find even one of them alive. <laughs> Monsieur Doré's small plane fought valiantly against the strong currents of air that rose from the coast near Tarzan's cabin, but it was a losing battle, and the pilot knew it. The motor was sputtering feebly now, and below the plane, the white-crested waves beckoned the four passengers to a watery grave. Monsieur Doré kept his eyes riveted ahead, unable to face the frightened people who stood accusingly behind him in the small cabin. We're in real trouble, aren't we? Oui, monsieur. I have lost all radio contact and the motor is almost useless. Then why are you heading out to sea? Wouldn't the force landing be bad enough on dry land? I'll spend the last hour searching the jungle, madame. There is not an open space large enough. Oh. Are you going to land on the ocean, Mr. Dory? You'd better go back to your seat, Peter. Are you going to land on the water? There is an island shown on my chart. And there is a notation of a clearing on it. Can we make it? I do not know, monsieur. Perhaps if my calculations and the chart are both correct. But if you find the island... It appears quite large. But if we continue to lose airspeed, a safe landing will be an impossibility. Are we all going to die, Mummy? Let's go back to our seats, Peter. I'll come with you. Let me help you, Diane. Oh, thank you, Trevor. Trevor, what are you doing? Why are you taking your coat off, Daddy? I'm going to wrap you up in it, Peter. Diane, hand me those blankets over there. If we can get enough padding wrapped around, Peter, it may absorb some of the shock. Oh. If we make any sort of landing at all... Yes, put in the island! Good. There. That ought to do it. Petey, boy, you're going to be all right. Crouch low, Diane. The clearing is right below. Do we stand a chance? A small one, monsieur. It is in the rebel of the guards. Trevor, what are you doing? You stay as low as you can. I can sort of bend over you and Peter. Oh. It'll mean some sort of protection for you. This is it. You hold down everyone and taking it down. Trevor, I'm sorry for all the things that have stood between us. I do love you. I've always loved you. And I love you, Diane. I love you both. We reach island now, Tarzan. Yes, Julio. We can beach the boat on that sandy strip right ahead. Fine. I never could have reached here as quickly without your help. You're very strong. Julio, strongest man, Mogul tribe. Take it easy there, Julio. We don't want to ruin the bottom of this boat on one of those rocks. We'll be needing it. Uh, think Devil Bird come down near clearing? Yeah, we're heading in that direction. 
If they didn't reach the clearing, we won't find anything but scattered wreckage. When, when reach clearing, we'll be quiet. Sneaks off to place Devil Bird come down. Well, why should we do that? Maybe enemy. Other times, Batman come jungle in Great Devil Bird. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about that, do you? If anyone survived the crash, they'll greet us with open arms. Trevor, what are you doing with that gun? I'm keeping it handy. This is pretty rugged country. Oh. You can't tell what might happen to us before morning. Oh, don't say things like that. Peter might hear. Oh, I'm sorry, Diane. I thought you said he was asleep. Oh, he is sleeping, but not very soundly. The way he's whimpering is probably having nightmares. Not that I blame him. Oh, if only I could think of something to do. I can't leave you here and go for help. It's doing no good to stay with the wreckage. It'll certainly never fly again. Oh, what can I do, Diane? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I wish we knew how to set Mr. Doré's leg. It must be giving him terrible pain. It's amazing that he only got a broken leg. And that we came through with nothing more than bruises. Some sort of animal, I suppose. But the animals may not be the worst enemies we have to face. What do you mean, Trevor? Savages. This island's probably crawling with them. Oh. Well, they'll find we won't give up without a struggle. I'm a pretty good shot. I've made up my mind that if I see anyone coming through those trees at the edge of the clearing, I'll shoot first and ask questions later. In just a moment, the exciting conclusion of Paradise Island. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. From the heart of the jungle comes a savage cry of victory. This is Tarzan, Lord of the Jungle. Had the sky not been clouded, Trevor and Diane would have seen Paradise Island more clearly. They could have feasted their eyes on the profusion of flowers, the abundance of wild fruit, the gaily colored birds the blue lagoons and natural waterfalls that gave the island its name. But the tropical moon was hidden behind heavy, cumulus clouds, and all they could see were the mysterious shadows that leaped from the edge of the clearing and made Trevor's finger curl nervously about the trigger of his gun. Tarzan and Julio continued to beat their way through the jungle until they reached the clearing's edge. And then, as Tarzan stepped from the fringe of trees, Trevor raised his gun and... See? Do you tell the enemies? Oh, the bullet just missed me. Not know how Tarzan jumped so quick. The moon came out for a split second just before he fired, and I caught a glint from his rifle barrel. We turn around, go back? No, and I'm not risking conversation from this distance either. What we do? Now, you stay here while, while I circle around to the other edge of the clearing. When I give the signal of Mulgu, you step from the trees for a moment, but just duck back quickly. I think I can leap from that giant tree over there and disarm whoever fired at us, but I don't want to take any chances. Do you understand? When Tarzan make tribal signal, Julio step from trees. Then step back much quick before man shoot. That's right. You know, that might make a good game. If we didn't run out of players too quickly. I tell you, Diane, I saw the figure of a man. How could you tell from this distance? It might have been an animal or, or maybe just your imagination. Well, whatever it was, my shot scared it away. 
And I'm not putting this gun down until it's brought daylight. Oh, I wish you wouldn't fire unless you have to. I shouldn't like to frighten Peter again. And I don't like to alarm Mr. Doré any more than necessary either. Oh, if only one of us knew how to do something about that. Trevor! Yeah? Over there! There where you fired before this! I see him. It's a savage. I can get a good beat on him now, and I'll just... Uh, put that gun down! I won't let go of it! I'll kill my wife and child before I let them get into the hands of savages! Trevor! Trevor! He's a white man! Mean no harm! I saw your plane in trouble, and I came here to help you! What? You... You came to help us? That's right. The man you just fired at is a native who came with me. I, I was your previous target. Oh, I'm frightfully sorry. I've been standing here for hours expecting lions and tigers and savages too. Oh, but there are no lions closer than the mainland, and tigers are unknown in Africa. And Paradise Island is uninhabited except for you. Paradise Island? That's right. You'll find it one of the loveliest spots you've ever seen. You'll you'll enjoy your visit here. Visit? Oh, I've got to get to Lamb Fundy by, by tomorrow, I think it is. Oh, you couldn't possibly get there before. Oh, one of your parties hurt? Oh, yes, the pilot. He has a broken leg, we think. Oh, let's take a look at it. Uh, do you mind if I move this blanket a bit? I, I'd like to look at your leg. Oh, No, you're not dying, but... Oh, this leg does look pretty bad. Well, vous comprenez le français? Vous êtes français? Qui êtes-vous? Je m'appelle Tarzan, but I, I'm not French. Oh, oh, I did not know. I, uh, enough of I, conversation now until tomorrow. Well, I'll, I'll be back in a little while to set your oh, leg. Hurry, hurry, Monsieur Tarzan. The pain is excruciating. I'll tend to you as soon as I can cut a piece of wood to use as a splint and... Locate something to use for bandages. Oh, I'll tear up my slip. Tarzan. Tarzan with his leg healed. Got a bad compound fracture. With proper care, I think it'll mend. If you'll just tell us what to do, we'll be happy to give him every care in the world. Mommy, Mommy! What's the matter, Peter? There's nothing over there, darling. Mommy's with you. She won't let anything happen to you. Is this your son? Yes. I've got to get him out of this wilderness before he's frightened out of his wits. Oh, but the Frenchman can't be moved for weeks. And I think your son will soon realize his fears are groundless. You know, if I were you, I'd forget about trying to get to Lamfondi and start enjoying the splendors of Paradise Island. <laughs> night, by the flickering light of a torch, Tarzan set the leg of Louis Doré. And in the morning, with the help of the powerful Julio, he built a treehouse for the survivors of the plane wreck. As the days blended into weeks, Tarzan taught Peter to swim and to hunt. He showed Trevor how to fish with a wooden spear, how to snare small animals for meat, and how to tease monkeys into throwing coconuts down from the trees. He instructed Diane in the arts of making clothes from hides and bark, of washing things without soap, of cooking on the crude stove he directed in the treehouse. <laughs> But more than that, he taught them to laugh again. <laughs> Dinner almost ready, darling. Oh, I'm hungry as a bear. <laughs> and almost as woolly. Aren't you ever going to shave? Nope, never again. Nor am I ever going to worry about money or social position or anything else again. Uh, oh, I'd like to stay here on Paradise Island, Diane. How about it? I've been trying to think how to make the suggestion to you. We've never been this happy. It's agreed, then? Uh, but, of course, I, I may have to find a native girl for a wife, and, unless you feed me. Oh. Well, everything's just about ready. Call the others, will you, dear? Right. Ahoy down there. Hey, dinner is ready. Yes, and it'll be all gone unless you get up here in a hurry. Oh, coming right up. Hey, Tarzan, my elevator. Get set. Uh, je suis prêt. What? Here goes. <laughs> oh, say yes, I come up in the elevator. Wow, you will. <laughs> uh, Mr. Tarzan, he fixed me a rope from vines. He used a big rock as a counterweight. He built a little platform. 
Voila! In an avector. It's marvelous. <laughs> Where's the rest of them? Oh, here they come. Look at Peter, clambering through the trees like a monkey. Let me give you a hand here, Peter. This last step is Oh, pretty... I can make it. Oh, Mommy, do I have to eat dinner just yet? Well, it's all ready, darling. Oh, Tarzan was just going to take me swimming, and he has to go away soon. Oh, do you have a heavy date, Tarzan? <laughs> Julia's waiting for me on the beach. She's located some long pieces of hollow bamboo, and if we can find some waterproof clay to use in the joints, you'll have running water up here by tomorrow. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, can I go swimming now, Mommy? Can I? I suppose your dinner can wait, but do be careful. We don't want anything to happen that might spoil our paradise. <laughs> Peter, darling. What did you find, son? It's a diamond. What? Tarzan said it was. Look. By Jove, it is a diamond. A huge one. Oh, it's worth a fortune. Give it to me, Peter. Why, he'll do no such thing. Give it to me, darling. Just what do you intend to do with it? Well, I'm going back to London. With the money I realized from that stone, I can buy... Oh, no, you don't. I'm taking the diamond. And I'm buying into Uncle Reg's rubber plantation. When I show up with that diamond, he won't care that I'm a few weeks late. Why, within a couple of years, I'll have enough money Oh, please don't fight. Just give it to me, Peter. No, I won't. I tell you who he is going to give it to. To me. And why you? Well, because my valuable plane was ruined getting ill, and I broke my leg. That is small repayment for everything I have gone through. I'll repay you for your last plane. But I have no intention of seeing you get the diamond. We will see, monsieur. We will see who gets the diamond. still not find clay, Tarzan. I promised Diane she'd have running water by tomorrow, and I intend to keep my promise. I'll, I'll find some clay before morning. We look all night? I don't think it'll take that long. But look, you, you run back to the camp. You've already done more than your share of the work. Do you not know why he work for white men? All white men but Tarzan, bad. I don't think you really believe that, Juyo. If you do, why, why did you help build their treehouse? Or do any of the other helpful things you've done here? Juyo do, cause Tarzan pleased. But they shoot at Tarzan and Juyo first night. Are bad. Well, you you go back there and just get to know them a little better. Hmm? If there were bad in them, it's certainly disappeared by now. The last time, Peter, are you going to give me that diamond, or am I going to be forced to take it from you? I, I if you what... try to touch Peter, you'll have to deal with me. Diane. Yes, I've got a knife. Tarzan made it out of stone, but it's just as sharp as a steel knife. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Oh, wouldn't I? And you needn't look for the gun. It's gone. Gone? And Dory must have taken it when he stalked out of here. But even if he has the ammunition, I don't think he can make it up here again. His leg's still pretty weak. I'm not letting him take the diamond. And I'm not letting you take it, Diane. You have diamond? Julio. Well, Peter has something he fancies as a diamond, Julio. But of course it's Let just... Julio see. You can look at it from there. But don't try to come any closer. There. Yes, diamond. Big diamond. And Julio want... White man not take treasures of Africa. Don't go near that boy, Julio. I'll throw this knife at you. Julio, strongest man. Mordo people. Not afraid, white woman. Oh! Hold on to him, Diane. No, get the knife, Julio. I dropped it. Well, you want to stay. You will not move. We. Yes. Oui, it is loaded. And I will use it. I told you I... To... Peter. Peter, you can't run up hey, in the jungle at this time. I will get the boy. Peter. He will not get away with it. Julio, catch boy. Julio, get diamond. <laughs> Thank you. 
The weeks of jungle training showed in Peter as he scrambled down from the treehouse and sped through the jungle toward the beach. And after him, like crazed animals, came the others. His mother and father, a vengeful Julio, and a hobbling Doré, whose desire for the jewel overcame his lameness. Through the jungle they streaked, their faces masked with anger and greed. Peter reached the beach at last, the others almost at his heels. He was tired now, but ahead of him was a goal, and suddenly the goal came to meet him and to catch him in powerful bronze arms. Peter, what in the world? How did I not stop you from getting diamonds? It is mine, I tell you. It was my brain that brought us here. Oh, you discovered it. It's only fair that... The boys are minor, and since I'm his father... Why are they? Why are they? Peter, why were they chasing you? They all wanted my diamond, but I wouldn't give it to them. I still have it, Tarzan. A diamond, huh? So that's what it's all about. Please give it to me, Peter. Here you are, Tarzan. So this is what transformed all of you into greedy beasts, huh? What? Oh, you crazy. Throwing a diamond like that into the ocean. You must be mad. Your actions sicken me. I told Peter that it was a diamond because I thought he'd get pleasure from making believe. Making believe? Yes, it was nothing but a piece of isoquartz, sometimes called fool's diamond. I assure you that it was worthless or I wouldn't have thrown it away. I... Well, Diane, I've played the fool again. I've ruined what might have been lasting happiness. No more than I, Jeff. Let's really learn our lesson this time. Let's see if we can't find a lifetime of paradise here. Will you forgive us, Peter? If you promise never to fight with Mommy again. We both promise, Peter. And this time we mean it. Well, yeah, I, I think we all have a few promises to make, huh? I am sorry, too. To you, much sorry. Are you coming, Peter? In just a moment. Tarzan will bring me back. Yes, that's right. Go ahead. Don't be too long, Peter. We all need some sleep. Yes, that's right. It, it was a real diamond, wasn't it, Tarzan? Peter, what, what would you say a diamond was? Was? Oh, you mean a definition. Well, I'd say a diamond was a precious stone of great value. That's a very good definition, Peter. And if throwing that stone out into the ocean where no one can get it restores happiness to everyone on this island, it must be very valuable indeed. We hope you've enjoyed the story of Paradise Island and that you'll remain for a preview of our next exciting story of Tarzan. First, there are merely stories about the demon who's been terrorizing the village. Then there are visible signs of his nocturnal forays. And at last, there's a glimpse of the creature, scrambling to its underground cave on its eight legs, glaring back with four great eyes. Tarzan is in for the greatest surprise of his life when he uncovers the mystery of the demon and faces the gravest emotional crisis of his life. Included in our cast were Jack Moyles, Eve McVeigh, Barbara Jean Wong, Gray Stafford, and Larry Dobkin. Tarzan, a transcribed creation of the famous Edgar Rice Burroughs, is produced by Walter White, Jr., prepared for radio by Bud Lesser, with original music by Albert Blesser. This is a Commodore production. Listen to our next story, The Demon of Rangu, another thrilling episode of The Lord of the Jungle. This and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, wherever you get podcasts, or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silver age heroes. 
Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!